If you'd like to turn in your Bibles for a Bible reading this morning, we're going to continue from where we left off last week. We're in Romans chapter 8, and this morning we're reading from verse 18 down to verse 27. We read, therefore, I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Romans 8, verse 18 to 27. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful portion of Scripture that gives us certainty in these uncertain times. This whole chapter is full of things that are dogmatically asserted, and it is so or it will be so. And Lord, as we look at this portion today, these things will be so in the future. And as the things that are so already stated with certainty and do happen and happen for us now, so these future things will assuredly come to pass. You are the God of the impossible. You know the future as well as the past. And I pray, Lord, that in these times we would be strengthened, not discouraged, but encouraged that we live in these ex exciting times when things are moving forward as far as your plan for mankind is concerned. Lord, pray for those that are, are sick and are unwell and that have this virus and that are held up in ships and in, in houses and homes and children. And Lord, all the things, the things that we didn't have to go through before, Lord, strengthen these people. May they turn to you. May they tune in to uh, some sermon or reading the word, Lord, that uh, those that are unbelievers might think what in the world is going on and might seek answers from your holy word, because there the answers are. Lord, do, do praise and thank you for the arrival of little Nasir this week in the Lewis family in Israel. May you bless them, four boys, four girls, and may you use them, as even the four, the four boys are being used uh, greatly in getting things sorted out over there with the distribution of literature. Lord, we thank you for that. Bless them. Uh, strengthen them 
uh, provide for their needs and we thank you for the provision of the monies to be able to do this and if there's any more come they would rejoice in that lord we ask your blessing as we go through the word of god may your spirit teach us this morning in jesus name amen well this morning we're going to do the this part of that we've read and lord willing this evening we'll finish this series on certainties in uncertain times um, <clears throat> now you know me, we might get bogged down in the scripture, but uh, we'll endeavour to get through it. Last week we looked at the saint has the certainty of a new position. We are no longer under condemnation. We're no longer walking in the flesh, but in the spirit. We are no longer walking under the law of sin, but under the law of the spirit. We're no longer trying to keep the law to please God, but we're trusting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Yes, we're under grace. We're not under law. We are no longer servants. We are sons, a new position that we have. We also noticed in verses 5 to 13, the saint has a certainty of a new presence. That is the Holy Spirit. And last week we went from A to Z with words describing what the Holy Spirit does for us. And there's one that I didn't say much about, and that was X. And uh, I've written down the unknown quantity. <laughs> but then I thought maybe the X-ray. <laughs> the Holy Spirit can see straight through us. He knows everything that goes on in our mind, in our thinking, as he is God, the third person of the Trinity. And there's one time when I had uh, an X-ray, or a couple of times now, on my head uh, for, for different things, different reasons. And uh, the attendee came out and said, we found nothing. <laughs> and um, a lot of people, when I said that at church, laughed. <laughs> but, and the family too. But that's not to say they didn't find a brain, but they found no problems. The x-ray revealed there was nothing wrong. Praise the Lord. But <laughs> the Holy Spirit looks and knows everything that goes on in our mind. Every thought will be given account for one day. Every spoken word and every unspoken word. And so we need to be careful what we even think. Isn't that somewhat of a, maybe a surprise to some? God knows what we think. And even when the Lord Jesus was here, he did that with people. So we have the certainty of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thirdly looked at the saint has the certainty of a new prestige. We, are now, we have now been adopted into the family of God. Verse 23 summarizes that in an earlier verse there in, that we looked at last week. Wonderful thought that we are in the family of God. We have been adopted and the redemption of our body waits for the time when the Lord will come. We move on to our next point and maybe the only one we cover this morning. In verse 18 to 25, the saint has a certainty of new prospects, wonderful prospects, glorious prospects that we have being the children of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man those things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, it does say in the next verse that the Spirit of God reveals these things unto us as we grow in the Lord. 
And these are some of the things that we find in the scripture this morning of the new prospects we have for the future. The future is far better than the past for the saint. It's wonderful. It's something that, as that verse said, it's beyond our comprehension. If God knows all and will be teaching us for eternity about the things he knows, how much there is we don't know. Even Einstein said way back with his limited knowledge, he said he knows less than 1% of 1% of all that could be known. And I think he was even way out on that too. But we have this great and wonderful expectation of glory. For I reckon that the sufferings in verse 18 of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. This is a certainty. It is going to happen. And this evening, Lord willing, if we get there, we'll look at more of this in verse 30 and following. The expectation of glory, a new body. The future is as bright as the promises of God. Now, if we're going to spend eternity with the Lord, what is it going to be like? Well, what are we going to what the, what are the prospects? First John three and verse two reads Behold now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know we know this is a certainty that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Ask yourself the question, what is he like? What form has he? Well, we shall be like him when he appears to take us home. So there's a promise. In the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks there about the church. And this is the intent of the Lord for the church. Those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to be their saviour. Not a person that goes to a building, but a person that has been born again by the Spirit of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One who has confessed their sin to the Lord Jesus and believed in their heart that God hath raised him, the Lord Jesus, from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You will become a Christian. This is the prospect for the church in verse 27 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, that he might present it to himself... The Lord Jesus might present the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's the prospect of the church. Absolutely perfect. We we have a, a saying, you know, to dwell below with saints we know. No, to dwell above, sorry, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be glory, like we're saying. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. Yep, we have old natures and we do sin. And we do sin against each other. We sin against the Lord. And First John 1, 7 tells us that we are to confess our sins. And he will forgive us of our sins. But up there, there'll be no spot, no wrinkle, no sin. Once we received our glorified body. And the church will be holy and without blemish, a bride for the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a prospect we have. We will have a body like Christ and we'll be part of that body. He is the head, we are the body. The church is the body. In Luke chapter 24, if we consider this portion of scripture, 
This also talks about the Lord after he had been raised from the dead, but before he had ascended to heaven. In Luke 24, in verse 39, it reads, as he turned up to and surprised the disciples, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. Flesh and bones. Didn't say blood, but it just said it said flesh and bones. A spirit doesn't have those. So that's a body, a form that will take. There's a little in the scripture revealed about this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> in chapter 24 of Luke and verse 30, we read, And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. What was he just doing? He was eating. And I can say that uh, we'll be able to contain ourselves. We can eat if we wish and we don't have to eat if we don't want to because it's, uh, it's not needed, not necessary in an immortal body. But we have the ability to enjoy the food without putting on weight. Can imagine that? Oh, I don't know that we should think too much of all the wonderful things but we should. <laughs> it's going to be a wonderful time when we get there to have these sort of bodies like his. In verse 41 of Luke 24, it reads, And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish in a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. So yes, it is true that we will be able to eat, we'll have a body like his body. Um, <clears throat> it also will be a body that is recognised. For in John 21 and verse 7, when the, it's the story about the disciples fishing, and we shared that last week, and they caught nothing, the Lord was on the shore, he was cooking a fish, and uh, 300 metres or 200 metres out they were fishing, and he cried out to them, have you caught any fish? No. Or cast a net on the right side, they did, and they caught a, a great many fish, so that the net almost broke. And when that happened, John looked up, and he looked. It is the Lord. He recognised him. Only a person that could say, drop the net, and you'll get a, a full net of fish. It is the Lord. You know the two chaps on the way, on the road to Emmaus? They had holden eyes. They couldn't behold who it was they were talking to. But then their eyes were opened. And so we'll recognize one another. When the Mount of Transfiguration occurred, the Lord Jesus glorified on that mount. Uh, Peter, James and John was up there and they saw Moses and Elijah and they recognized who they were. So we'll be able to have a recognizable body as we do today, people see you, or even if you hear a voice on the phone, you recognise that person. Of all the people that are around, the voices are distinctive. Uh, <clears throat> it's a body, this glorious prospect of the future, which is spiritual, a body which is spirit predominant, not just a spiritual body. It is a physical body. And that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it talks about this body that we'll have, this prospect of this future 
eternal, immortal body. In chapter 15 and verse 44, we read this. It is sown a natural body down here. We're born of parents, sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. A spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Back in the Garden of Eden. The last Adam, the Lord Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. There's the flesh and there's a spirit. And that's what the Lord Jesus talked to Nicodemus about. If you've not been born once in the flesh, you can't be born again. But if you're not born again, you won't have the eternal, uh, blessed, immortal, spiritual body. You'll have a body, but it'll be a body that'll be tormented forever and ever. If you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a spiritual, there's a natural and there's a spiritual, as it says in these verses here. So that was first, which was physical, natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual, when you're born again, when you get saved. The first man is of the earth, earthy, Adam. The second, the Lord Jesus, man is the Lord from heaven, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Hey, how spiritually minded are you? You know, some people say you, to, to Christians that are zealous for the Lord, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And I don't think a person could ever be that far. You go that far. But people in the Bible that we have records who were spiritually minded were blessed of God. And they are certainly of much value down here. Their prayers are of value. Their preaching is of value. Their personal testimony is of value. I pray that you have a, a valuable testimony down here because of your spirituality, your closeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as verse 49 reads in 1 Corinthians 15, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. When we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall bear the image of the heavenly. We sing a song at, at Christmas time, you know, Adam's image now efface, stamp thine image in its place. I pray that as Christians that we are desiring to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are going from glory to glory as we read the word of God and get to know what he wants in our lives. Now this I say, brethren, in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And so we have these things about the body that will have in the future and there's one other thing found in John and there may be others you might think of and can add to this list but in John's gospel chapter 20 and verse 19 we read this then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them peace be unto you and when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Hands pierced, side pierced. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. But notice, it particularly says there that when 
The Lord turned up in this room. He didn't come through the door. The door was shut. He just appeared in the room. And if we're going to have a body like his, this is the way it will be, according to my Bible, and just reading it and taking it literally there. And heavenly body a body that can go through space and time a body that won't be restricted to although guided by the Lord and what he tells us to do in that time but not restricted to earth and its atmosphere it doesn't need air to survive a body that can go out into the stellar heavens and into the third heaven itself to the very presence of God what a wonderful prospect that Christians have. I pray that you're rejoicing in that fact. Let's go back to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> and read. For the earnest expectation of the creature, this is verse 19, waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. Here it furthers the effect of the Lord's coming and of our being made immortal. There will be an effect on this earth as well. There will still be mortals down here when we have an immortal body. And the, the promise of the Lord that, and the prayer that's offered so often in most churches, vainly repeated, must I say, you know, <clears throat> thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It will be fulfilled. His will will be done. And the expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God when we have that immortal body, a time when the Lord comes to receive us unto himself. The, the cr creatures wait for this. It reads on, For the creature, in verse 20, was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You know, the evolutionists say, how could God be a loving God when he allows nature to be, as it were, red in tooth and claw? In other words, they eat, they devour, they kill, they bite. They're nasty things out there. How could God be a God of love if he, allowed, if it, he created it this way? Folks, he didn't create it this way. This was a result of our sin. This is a result of Adam's sin back in the garden. He and Eve disobeyed the word of the Lord and took of the forbidden fruit. And the curse came. The thorns came. All the sicknesses came. And they're becoming more and more evident in our society as we see these new viruses decimating the world physical people persons and decimating the economy as well but the bondage of corruption and they will be delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God if you read this literally you can take it no other way for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now and now that, now that we have machinery to do the work you know, of hundreds of men and one man can do that, or thousands of men, we have the ability to make great scars on the earth quickly. We can decimate the place. I know of farmers that, when I've worked on their farms with the uh, bulldozer, that 
they don't like a tree standing. Push them all over. And we say, whoa, whoa, you know, you need some shade. You need some windbreaks. You, need, you might have to plant some more if you push them all over. And we decimate the earth in that way. But we are also to say, told, we were told by the Lord to, to populate, replenish the earth and have dominion over it. But we're to govern it pr- correctly and properly and be discerning in the way that we treat, treat it. It'll only give back to you what you put into it and how you treat it. And the whole creation groans and travails. Every night, every day, there are animals killing each other and fighting each other. And uh, you might have seen it happening in some of the wonderful pictures they've got out. Even the evolutionists have put them up. But it's groaning. The, the, the creation is groaning now under the weight of this virus. When's it going to stop? We have to produce something to kill it. And not only they, but ourselves also. We've, we've already looked at that. Who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption. That is the redemption of our body. We look forward to that coming. Just as the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. We are saved by hope. So not only will Christians be delivered from the curse's clutches, but so will creation. It will be delivered from that bondage. Let us just go through a few verses that tell us more clearly some of the things that will happen. If we go to the book of Acts, the book of Acts and chapter 3, and verse 19 to 21. We read this. Repent therefore and be converted. Paul, uh, Peter is preaching in his second sermon. That your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ who before was preached unto you. The times of the refreshing is when Jesus Christ comes again. That's what it clearly said in verse 20. He, the Lord God, will send Christ, who was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive, went up from the Mount of Olives in Acts chapter 1, as they stood there looking, the disciples did, as you sent it up. And the angel said, This same Jesus, which is taken up from among you, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. And, and it reads there in verse 21 of Acts 3, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution. So refreshing. And restitution is spoken about here. Restitution of what? The creation that's groaning in Romans 8. Of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world begun. If we don't understand this, we haven't been reading the Old Testament. We haven't been reading the prophets. Because in the prophets, particularly Isaiah, it tells us of that time of refreshing and restitution of all things. You see, the result of sin, the curse... The result of Satan's influence and him taking control of the earth for the kingdoms are his until the Lord takes them off him in a future day. The result is decimation everywhere. And the Lord is going to show that he is almighty, he is sovereign and he is powerful. He'll take back control and rest the decimation, arrest the decimation that has happened by the refreshing and the restitution of all things. Back to Genesis. 
back to like it was. Another verse in Acts chapter 15, this time, and verse 13. We read there in Acts 15, 13. And after that they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, Simon Peter, (laughs) hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And so (laughs) that's the church, the people, ourselves, Gentiles. He's called out a people and he's been doing that for 2,000 years almost. Nine years short, I think, of 2,000 years. He's been calling out a church. Are you a part of it? Have you been restored to your maker through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Those thoughts keep popping in my mind when I read these things. And, <clears throat> and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written, just like in Acts 3, the prophets tell us these things. After this, after what? After he's called out a people from the Gentiles for himself, he will again, he will return, in verse 16, and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and will build again its ruins, and will set it up. How close are we to this? Have you been to Israel? You have a look at what they're doing over there, what they've done. The place is alive. The place is moving forward. The place is very inventive. Many, many of the medical things we have as benefits today are from Israel, such a young nation, but has been able to do these things. And the Lord will return and build again that place. They're building it themselves in the strength of the flesh. Wait until the Lord comes and rules there and reigns from that place. And he will build again its ruins that the residue of the people might seek after the Lord. And so you have refreshing and restitution in Acts 3. You have restoration of David's tabernacle, Acts 15. And David will be raised and he will rule and reign, co-reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we turn to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 19. And there's another R here. So it's refreshing, restitution, restoration. And then in Matthew 19... And verse 27, we read, and, when, and then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Peter said, Look, we've given up our fishing. That was the family business. We've given up the family business. What shall we have because we've forsaken all this? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye who hath followed me in the regeneration... When the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what you get, disciples, apostles. This is what you get for following me. In the time of regeneration, and uh, that is, and it's been said by the creation folks, it's recreation of the earth. It, It means back to Genesis, back to Genesis like it was then. And when God looked at all that he'd created, he said it was good. It was good. It was all good. Oh, what a day it will be when the earth that is groaning is waiting for our redemption. The adoption of our body is restored to its original glory. 
and everyone that hath forsaken houses and brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Look, these are great prospects. We're looking at the prospects of the child of God. There are many others. Um, yes, we didn't sing. Maybe I can go a little bit longer here. <laughs> I think we've been going about 35 minutes. And so just to whet your appetite, listen to some of these promises that the prophets foretold that's spoken about in Acts 3 and Acts 15. Listen to this. This is the restoration that will come. This is the prospects for this world. Uh, ours are great and wonderful. We'll rule and reign with the Lord Jesus uh, along with David and Israel at that time over the world that will be repopulated after a terrible time that's coming real soon, the tribulation. And there <clears throat> we read in verse 25 of Isaiah 65, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock and dust shall be the serpent's meat they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain saith the lord that's what it was like when god created it sin had it fall now it's groaning it will be brought back and be restored in isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4 and it reads there, and they, he shall judge among the nations. The Lord will judge among the nations and shall rebuke many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Can you imagine a world without all the military spending being spent on productive things and purposes? We would be able to at least have six months holiday because the earth will grow abundantly the food that uh, the seeds will come forth there will be no more war they won't be spending on that we won't have to have locks in our door we won't have to have the police force <laughs> we will rule and reign with christ and that will be the rod of iron that the lord brings on the inhabitants of the world at that time the restoration is going to be great the regeneration the refreshing that shall come from the lord let's look at another verse <clears throat> also in the book of um, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11 and verses 6 through to 9 we read this the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall feed together their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox and the sucking child shall play in the hole of the asp or the snake and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den, or the adder's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the Lord shall, be, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's wonderful days coming. The prospects for this mortal body, the prospect, prospects for this natural world are unbelievable. And then will be fulfilled God's purpose for that millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Great and wonderful things. There's another reference here in the book of Isaiah 35 and verses 1 to 10. Just a few verses from there. <clears throat> it speaks 
about strengthening the weak hands in verse 3 of 35 and confirming the feeble, feeble needs. Um, the lame sh shall leap like the heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. And for in the wilderness shall be waters, they shall break out in streams of the desert. The parched ground will grow, and verse 8, and the highway shall be there, and the way of it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, the wayfaring man, and everything there talks about, talks about there, the lion shall be there. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereupon. It shall not be found, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. <laughs> the former things are finished. The groaning has stopped. There are other references and we haven't time to turn to them. But there's one in Amos 9 and verse 13. This one's for the farmers. The sower will overtake the reaper. It won't just be one time you harvest. It'll just be constant, constant harvest. The, the abundance of crops, they won't need them all. <laughs> they won't have to work as hard. They won't have to have the things. I've just heard this week that farmers, perfect season round here and to grow the crop with the rain that's come, they haven't got the chemicals due to all what's happened they haven't got the chemicals to put the crop in. Pray that they get that. But here, there won't be need of the chemicals. You know why? Because the thorns and the thistles won't be growing anymore. And the weeds won't come up, come up like they do anymore. God will be in control. The animals will be tamed and peaceful. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 18. And so there's many wonderful things. for the, the very, Many wonderful prospects. For this world and the people of it. There's a song that I've mentioned before, I believe. It's 204 in our hymn book. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Saviour. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And there's another song in... Our hymn book, and I'll read a couple of verses of this to close today. I told you we'd only get through one of these points today. It was one of the longer ones. The certainty of the wonderful prospects of the future. 514 in our hymn book, we're marching to Zion. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And thus surround the throne. Thus surround the throne. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. We've got something who know God to sing about. But children of the heavenly king may speak their joys abroad. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields or walk the golden streets. Even today we have wonderful blessings. Then let our songs abound and, and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer, worlds on high and to this one that will be rejuvenated refreshed regenerated for the people that live on it that we with the lord rule over beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to zion the beautiful city of god
question is, if you're listening today and you're not a Christian, you're not sure whether you're a Christian, you're not sure, please make sure, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 say, that we ought to confess, we should obey the gospel by confessing with our mouth that we are sinners and we've offended a holy God. And we should believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead. And the scriptures say, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. You can be a Christian, an adopted son. And look forward to these wonderful prospects. But if you disobey the gospel, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and about the 7th verse tell that flaming fire shall fall upon those. The vengeance of the Lord God Almighty. He invites you, come, come while you can and believe on the Lord Jesus. The reason you're on earth is to see if you will believe or reject the truth and by faith come to him. Won't you come to him today? I urge you, we can't make you, we can urge you and encourage you. Neither does God make you. You make the choice. Believe on him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word, this wonderful prospect we have, given in the book of Romans and mainly in the book of Isaiah and others that we haven't touched. Lord, you've, you've given us these things. You've told us about these things. You, you want us to know about these things. And for those that aren't saved, what they are going to miss out on for eternity is beyond belief. May they believe today. May you lead them to yourself. May they become part of your bride, your body, your building, the church. Not the church we see in the world today, which is so corrupt, but the ecclesia, the called out ones, believing individuals in a local church serving the Lord. Thank you for all your promises. Bless us as we part now and bring us back again to listen to the evening service in Jesus' name. Amen.